Namaste. So we are with Shurbindo's collected works, volume ten and eleven, records of yoga. Once again, it's wonderful to read them. But a word of caution: what the master has done, don't try to imitate what the master has done. Try to follow what the master asks you to do. If Shurbindo wanted us to follow the records of yoga, they were all available. He would have just said. children go ahead print it and practice it he didn't do that he gave us the synthesis of yoga besides in shurbindo's yoga we see constant evolution what was applicable in 1910 to 1920 is no more applicable 1920 to 1930 what was applicable between 1920 to 1930 the base will remain but he has added new things making it even easier so things have evolved they have changed in different ways so for instance as i have told earlier if you see 1914 to 1920 you will hear about mother but mainly as divine shakti 1926 onwards 1927 onwards to be precise it's the mother open to the mother open to her influence you don't find it in you know um saptachatushtha why because he is the pathfinder and yet it is a joy to read it just for the joy of it and what are the what is the path that should be followed it's very scientifically documented to that extent incidentally today is what day 16th november yog chatusht appeared for the first time on 20th november 1913 so very close to <laughs> this so then yog sapt chatusht we have already done uh, in the sense we picked up some snippets so another aspect of um, record of yoga is automatic writings so in automatic writings shurbindo would sit the, the the process of automatic writing is known that you sit together sit quietly and let an entity take your hand it's equivalent with the mother is when she used to play organ music so there were hands which would come to her from the subtle physical beethoven's hands other great musicians hands and they would say please use your finger to play same thing applies here and second aspect that you know automatic writing through that shrubindo were drawing into himself certain personalities of the past whether they were his own or they were needed for the new creation probably some aspiration in some beings that's how i look at it because when the mother describes in the agenda the personalities of murat and many other past um, you know th- those personalities in which he had worked in some way they started coming to her in many many ways and she had to take them and integrate them this is the story in shiv puran this part of the yoga where you deal with the subconscious of earth so i look at it shubindo was not amusing himself or others that okay we'll do automatic writing most people speak of automatic writing as it is done and the rest is he said that it is not to be practiced but there is a truth behind it how and why it was done so there are things in the earth atmosphere which he was absorbing within himself he would not say that but he has said that it took 10 years for us to wipe off the earth's past and many things he was integrating within himself to give them a new uh, dimension and new direction so this is how we have to look at it in shiv puran the story goes that there is a cave where shiva goes and meditates but parvati is not allowed so one day she says why i am your wife why don't you allow me to go there he says the time has not come but tell me the secret no i can't tell you mata rushto jati hai she doesn't like that you know shiva is not telling her the secret so one day on her own she ventures into that cave and there she sees so many skulls which suddenly come alive and start holding her crying weeping because now they know the world mother has come and they want to be released from the state in which they are in it's such a burden for her to bear and then shiva says that i know this is a work you have to do but the time is not yet ready so what shurbindo was doing through these automatic writings my understanding it's nowhere documented and nobody has said this is that he was drawing into himself many elements from the past and integrating them for instance even before that he had the apparition of swami vivekananda then shri ramakrishna comes and he says mandir kaado mandir kaado mandir kaado and once more he comes speaking of the story of the snake biting the tail so many of these danton which was actually shubindo's personality in the past 
one of the persons through whom shirvindu was acting in french revolution was gelotin and he comes and says red terror red terror red terror so we see very interesting and there was some who were different types of humanity which who worked with him for instance once um, he asked about tilak so we have that then another time when he asked about anabisent and a third time when he speaks to another personality and he asks about gandhi so you know i am not going into what all is revealed but we must understand one thing that these are not shurbindo's final views about anyone it is not to be taken as shurbindo's views because these were portions from different aspects of creation present and past which were coming to him and using his pen to write so this is how one has to look at it but one such writing which is really interesting which is part of the automatic writing is yogic sadhan so there throughout shurbindo would see raja rammohan roy appear before him and shurbindo wrote and this is one writing which was published as a book in the beginning and uh, it used to be read even till 1920s this book was one of the first books that was published and it um, used to be read later on shubindu said don't take it as if it is the final verdict of all that i have to say because as i said yoga evolved second this book could be misunderstood so there was editor's note later on yogic sadhan and the editor's note said that uh, we must understand that this process which is described is in very brief and a lot of purity purification is required to follow this process it's not something which you can just practice just like that and it's an entirely tantric book if you look at yogic sadhan so i thought we'll read some passages i found this a fascinating book but as i said don't uh, start practicing it but you'll understand that many things here which are given as a seed are basically again some fundamental principles of yoga like one of the fundamental principles of this yoga is surrender to the mother so here it starts with there is the knowledge which is the purusha aspect and there is the will and it starts by will will is the omnipotent start with the will and not with knowledge but later on in synthesis you will see that shirvindo says we start with the method of vedanta towards the aim of tantra but in yogic sadhan which is primarily a tantric book uh tantric in the true sense not tantric that shamshan siddhis and bhut siddhis and pishach siddhis there is one of the most worst kind of misconceptions of tantra which is based on just a very um confused understanding of a dark tantra or some aspect of tantra but there is a white tantra white tantra is about the divine powers like dash mahavidya of the upanishad so there there's the white tantra so some passages we'll read from here my phone is telling me that i am not silent okay so some passages we'll read from here the proper course of the sadhana is just the opposite of the thing most people do and you have also done that being is coming and informing shurbindo while he is writing people begin with the body and the prana go on to the chitta and the manas and finish up with the buddhi and the will so this is how you will see patanjali yoga sutras no asana yama niyam asana pranayam nididhyasan ityadi and samadhi the real course is to start with the will and finish with the body so it just reverses the whole course there is no need of asana pranayama kumbhak chitta shuddhi or anything else preparatory or preliminary fun starts with the will so you will see that shurbindo's yoga actually starts that way he doesn't say he don't do these things but don't wait that i'll first do this that all kinds of things then i will reach to the mother start with the mother and then keep collaborating her working through these various processes that was what shri ramakrishna came to show so far as yoga is concerned do the shakti upasana first he said get shakti and she will give you sat will and shakti are the first means necessary to the yogin that was why he said always remember you are brahman and he gave that as a central message to swami vivekananda 
If you choose, you can be Shuddha, Siddha or anything else. Or if you choose, you can be just the opposite. The first necessity is to believe in yourself. The second in God and the third to believe in Kali. So actually, Shurabindu in synthesis says that the two things that matter most in this yoga are faith and will. Whatever is a man's faith and will, ultimately he'll become that. But one has to just persist with it. Ultimately, through all the complexities, networks, difficulties, helpful elements, if you keep the faith and will persistent, you will end up becoming that. And then for that we must rely on God and in the Divine Mother. Educate the will first. Through the will, educate the jnanam. Through the jnanam, purify the chit, control the prana and calm the manas. That is the real yoga, the Mahapanth. That is the true and only tantra. The Vedanta starts with buddhi, the tantra with shakti. And then I'll just read a few passages. It's too powerful. You see, this also we see. The question is how to start. The Shakti is in you. Let her work and assist her by taking the right attitude. This is what we see in Tantric Siddhi Prakranam. Since the Shakti is in you, let her start working. But the working will be not the way human mind understands. In Synthesis, Shurabindu reminds us again and again. When the Divine Mother works, it's not the way human mind understands. That's why for a long time, the Divine does not accept right away. There is a time when you are asking but the Divine is watching. When I had come here, somebody asked, oh, three years, have you become an ashramite? I said, no. Four years, have you become an ashramite? I said, Bhagawan ki chokhat par padeye, jab badjarwat hoga, bula lenge. I am waiting at the doorstep. He will open. He knows when to open. I am not saying, equating becoming an ashramite to, you know, entry into God's chamber. But there is a period of time when you will keep on reading doing things but nothing may happen that time we have to remember that he who chooses the infinite has been chosen by the infinite he is not choosing to reveal he will see whether there is a sincere offering or not because once the force starts working after that which way it will go that's why the mother used the word adventure there are things hidden in us we have a very good image of us as we are nice people but when the yoga of Shakti starts, it will unearth everything. Not only the heights, but also the abysses. And she will take us through everything and cure and purify and transform. But to persist through the process requires colossal courage and faith and surrender. That's why Shubhindu keeps insisting on that. Surrender is not easy as the path unfolds itself. It is good to start with surrender. You know, surrender is not like a ticket. One time you buy it whatever it needs and you enter into the path and oh, such a lovely thing. Oh, nice. What is there in the... And as you go, sometimes there is dense darkness. That time, where surrender kar karke? Where have we come after surrendering ourselves, surrendering ourselves? Even God's voice is not heard. Are you there? Hello? Nothing. You wonder. Shouldn't wonder. But I am just saying some people may wonder. Is it for real? Have I made a mistake? That is exactly what the darkness wants. To turn you back. You made a mistake. See, there were people who were telling you, don't enter. See, you made a mistake. And there are people I know who have gone away like that. So much work was done. This is just the last bit. When darkness is deepest, dawn is just round the corner, but they just turn away. So, all this we have to understand. When the will, when the divine will begins to act, but at the end, what she will create is amazing. And I'll give just one example of, you know, in the beginning in yoga, you will see a lot of snakes. You will see a lot of sewages. First the snakes, huh? bhyankar, bhyankar. Then you will see sewers flowing, dirty things and all. You see, yoga means I want to see God. What is all this? So you'll say, before you call God, let me clear the passage. And after some time, you will see that the snakes have vanished. And you will see that in place of sewers, there are nice gardens which have appeared. Actually, you will see it. Because this is the process of change. You have to confront. We don't know. We see sewers outside. But it's running through and through. Canal. 
our own personal shiver is also there so this is how the yoga shakti so the surrender so she says that you have to keep that faith the shakti is in you let her work and assist her by taking the right attitude you are the shakti anumanta bhokta and bharta as anumanta give the command as sakshi watch her work out the result as bhokta enjoy the result and as bharta help her by maintaining the aadhar do not ruin it by tamasik udasinta or rajasik revolt be sure your will can never fail to act you are the gyata so it starts with that you have nothing else to do kali will do the rest be not troubled be not anxious be not in haste you have all eternity before you why be in haste only do not be tamasic or idly waste your time all these things should be in the subsequent rights ideal attitude towards time is you must want it here and now at the same time you must know that if you have to wait till eternity you are ready to wait for the yoga so this continued um, continues and hmm. <laughs> it's very profound psychological insights that come here do not be discouraged by any failure or delay it is purely a question of force and purity of the will by purity i mean freedom from desire that's purity purity is not acting according to social conventions of purity social conventions of purity means continue to lead a life of desire but within certain limits fulfill all your function if you are a honest taxpayer you are morally a pure person of course you should pay taxes that's different because you need it for a different reason but don't confuse it with moral purity somebody even asked shurbindo a question like is it okay to have physical relation with your wife is it it's all the same whether you have it with your wife or somebody else the excitement that follows is going to lead to a downfall so it is, but morally morally it is different to have physical relation with your wife is morally justified but to have it with somebody else it's immoral the thing is either ways the act is the same nature works like that nature doesn't create boundaries like that it says okay excitement fine now your your field is troubled so what will happen is your field of nature is troubled so that is the time all the forces are waiting oh i we want the trouble you know when there is confusion and storm you don't know what's coming into your house if the door is open that's what happens it has nothing to do with husband wife or and you will see very often many I, this my understanding as an aside many husband wife relations the constant fights bitterness and breakup is because of this when when the physical relation becomes and nature's mechanism that it tries to you know space it out but people who are too much you know into desire self they cannot you know accept it but if they would learn and that's why this used to be a dictum in olden times thode din alag raho it increases love the reasons are this because you know it opens doors to forces which are i mean people knew this instinctively it opens doors to forces and then there is the all these forces will come in and disturb so there is a whole psychology behind it so if we look at only moral purity then it i mean yoga is a far cry it's far more exacting when we take to more uh, yoga it goes beyond morality not it doesn't make us seem moral <laughs> but that is a much greater truth and that also he'll reveal to us okay then there is another passage the impulses of feeling are what are ordinarily called emotions now he gives us a way the emotions are of two kinds natural or eternal artificial or vikaras love is natural it proceeds from gyanam and tends to endure in the evolution it's true that love never dies if ever love is born it never dies and if somebody says love died that means it was never born you mistook something else for love so it endures hatred is a vikara from love so it is a distortion all many hatred jealousies all these are vikaras in love a distortion or reaction caused by agyanam 
सो करेज इज इटर्नल फियर इज विकारा कंपैशन इज इटर्नल घृणा और वीक पिटी रिपल्शन डिस्गस्टेस्ट एटसेट्रा विकारास दोज विच आर नेचुरल एंड इटर्नल लव करेज पिटी ट्रूथ नोबल एस्पिरेशंस आर धर्मा नो वेर यूल फाइंड सच ए प्रैक्टिकल वे ऑफ एक्सप्लेनिंग वट इज धर्मा दीज आर धर्मा the others are adharma imagine if you look at it most of humanity is living in that state hatred is natural repulsion is natural all kinds of reactions are natural we call them natural anger violence these are natural but they are vikaras and they are the ones which are adharma but further look at it moreover adharma is okay but this is from the eternal standpoint and has nothing to do with the samajik or laukik or temporary dharma or adharma moreover adharma is often necessary as a passage of preparation for passing from an undeveloped to a developed a lower to a higher dharma the yogi has to get rid of vikaras but not of sanatan dharma you cannot get rid of love get rid of hatred jealousies and all these things at one place shobindra says you cannot slay maya don't try to do that because maya is maya of the lord then what do we have to remove is moha moha is the delusion the kind of asakti that you have to slay so desire is composed of three elements these are all yogic sadhan very i i found very profound psychological insights which are applicable universally and shubhendu speaks of them in his own way desire is composed of three elements attachment or asakti longing or kamana and preference or ragadvesha get rid of attachment first use your will and purified ahankara to throw out that clinging and insistence of things what is that clinging which says i must have that i cannot do without that how to know between desire and need the mother explains exactly this way look into yourself and see if you have this urge that i cannot do without it then it is a desire purify desire and keep the truth intact that is the difficult work but that one place says an ingot of gold hidden behind it's like dhan ki bali a grain of wheat covered by all the, have you seen you know this what is this called dhan ka wo whatever hmm hay stack not needle but a grain of wheat and how you know how it is extracted in india people just put it on the road and when cars and trucks go over it it flies around or you have to beat it around so to extract that little grain of wheat which is there inside huge hay stacks so we understand that well that's how life deals with that to extract that little baby but we often throw away the baby with the bath water so we are being told don't do that keep the baby throw away the bath water <laughs> i must have that i cannot do without that and returns on the idea of it even when it is persistently denied that's how you see evil is born forcing oneself etc when the emotions are quiet this asakti will of itself die away but for a time it will rage a great deal and try to get the emotions active again apply the will steadily and patiently and do not get disturbed by failure for desire is a terrible thing as difficult to get rid of as a leech i don't know if somebody has ever experienced <laughs> leech you have to leave some blood then only it will go or the other way is to put some salt which means is going to hurt you very much leech will go but it will hurt because it's rubbing salt on injury so that's how leeches and they were used at one point of time as a treatment you know why it was supposed see there was an occult truth but completely misunderstood blood is a vehicle of the vital energy when the prana is a shuddh so you take out that blood now you know they didn't know how to all this occult knowledge had been lost but this was the truth behind it which took a completely gross form and a crude and distorted form please don't try leech blood letting but by the way people used to get all right it's a different matter that one of the american president died because they kept leeching him 
and uh, he became worse so they added more leeches he became worse they added more leeches till finally he died of you know <laughs> blood loss and dehydration but people used to this leech and bloodletting was one of the ways that people were cured however crude it it is crude from today's perspective but how they were cured because certain elements which flow in the blood they were being taken out please don't quote me as a doctor okay i am not advocating leech bloodletting right so it is indeed the daughter of the horse leech crying give give do not violently silence the cry so such a beautiful no i will not give in to desire desire will say good now it will use that force and come back to you redoubled so what is to be done do not violently silence the cry ignore it and use your will to get rid of the clamorer when asakti becomes weak kamna loses 9 tenths of its force and you can easily throw it off still for some time out of sheer habit the longing for certain things will come not in the heart of buddhi but in the prana so you see that even when from thought things have passed away from the heart they passed away they cling to the body and tend to return and the lower prana only if asakti is gone the refusal of the thing craved will not leave behind it a permanent grief or continual hunger so this is how many practical things get rid of that raga and dvesh and have perfect samta you will not ask or crave for anything for kamna is gone but when some things come you will not like them when other things come you will feel glad and exultant you will not rebel or cling to what you have but you will not like the coming of the evil you will not like the loss of your joy even though you say very good and submit get rid of that raga and dvesh so one is that i want things i want thing now that is gone the second aspect is things that you don't want they come in life how do you deal with that the yogin will not say, oh my god why has god done this to me complained and there also he will submit he will not react the way ordinary person reacts see this is the difference the life of a yogin and the ordinary life they move on the same experiences landscapes are not different from the beginning but slowly the response of the yogin is very different than the response of the average ordinary humanity and that's what marks the yogin not how many hours one has spent in meditation when mother was asked that is the number of hours spent in meditation a sign of spiritual progress she said not at all these are disciplines people do it it doesn't mean you are progressing the real test of progress is in life how do you apply it then she was asked that you know people even she says that one may do meditation regularly do all these pranayam rajyogic practices but may one may not be spiritual at all her words all these practices sometimes they even puff up the ego you know what i am a yogi i am doing sadhana first thing one learns in yoga is that <laughs> sadha is done by the divine so this is how and when you have perfect samta you have all that experiences then he speaks finally about impurities in the body impurities in the body show themselves chiefly as disease as pain as the discomfort of heat and cold as the necessity of the excretive processes that's how you throw out many things and shirobindo even was mastering that if you look at the records of yoga to that extent that can this also be mastered it is said that even the i mean it may sound very strange but even the excreta of those who have gone to that point they can be fragrant this is a story which i have heard why because even that waste carries something of that but normally you see that's how nature is designed foul smelling dirty but all this process there is an occult dimension behind it which we have lost so kaya siddhi one of the first sign is uh, disappearance of all tendency to disease so one of the first things that actually happens through the yoga is that tendencies to fall sick etc frequent they tend to go away into the background the second is liberation from the dwand of heat and cold 
the mother speaks of this even in uh, when she speaks about transformation she says when you are free from both of them that means the there is the conversion of the aspiration within the physical for the divine one of the signs is you are freed from the clutch of cold and heat it doesn't mean that you will start you know uh, taking off your shirt and banyan when it is cold no it doesn't mean that but you are not in its grip and clutch some people all the time oh my god it is so cold so it's okay don't get so hyper about it or some people oh how hot it is how much is the temperature their whole consciousness is occupied with the body so one of the signs of conversion is you are freed from heat and cold which will either go all together or change to pleasurable sensations often marked by electrical phenomenon and the third the diminution or disappearance of excretive activity can you imagine to what extent the yoga can go pain also can be entirely eliminated from the body but even before the reaction called pain is got rid of or even without its being got rid of the discomfort of pain can be removed and replaced by a sort of bodily ananda finally the craving of hunger and thirst disappears from the prana to which it belongs and the dependence on food diminishes or ceases the perfection of all this is the basis of kaya siddhi so that means every time we feel very hungry just hold on offer pain this is something which one can actually practice it's easy to practice it when there is pain somewhere so what do you do learn to be a witness try to offer it try to bring in peace into that part relax that part make it wide mother speaks of it in much later in 60s conversation make yourself immobile try to widen open that part to the light surrender it to the grace and that's how so so yoga becomes a kind of yoga why because uh, then in that spot which is paining and hurting terribly that light begins to come work upon it change it that's the path so everything is a path so in the in conclusion in this book this whole book big book but i'm just picked up some passages i have finished what i had to say this what shubindu's pen is writing but who is uh, the author is raja ram manroy but shubindu's pen has been used i will only add a word in conclusion you must not think that what i have given you is all the knowledge you need about yourself or about the yoga on the contrary these are only certain indications necessary at a particular stage they are chiefly important for purification which is the first part of the yoga after the shuddhi is complete one has to perfect the mukti to get liberation a thing easy after shuddhi impossible before it so you see in synthesis shubhendra speaks of shuddhi mukti siddhi bhukti the divine enjoyment by mukti i do not mean lay which is a thing not to be pursued or desired but waited for whenever god wills but liberation from ignorance ahankar and all dualities with the progress of the purification there will be a natural tendency towards liberation and the father stages of yoga bhukti and siddhi liberated enjoyment and perfection as you go forward you will have to change your attitude not radically but in certain important points so this all that he says and at the end something very interesting which i found vairagya is to me merely a temporary state of mind which god uses to enforce rejection of that to which the old sanskaras cling too obstinately and to be unseated from it by mere abhyas this what exactly what shurbindo speaks of in fact the mother goes one step further she was asked about renunciation she said in our yoga we don't talk of renunciation because if you still feel the need to renounce something that means you are really not asking for that and shubhendra puts it in synthesis that sacrifice is not self mortification sacrifice is a joyous thing then it carries a meaning not like you know i have come to god there are people sometimes they say that i have heard it even in the ashram context oh i left all this thing and i came here 
You didn't do a favor to God. He did a favor to you by helping you to leave certain things which helped you to come here. But there is this idea of, oh, I have renounced, I have given, I have sacrificed. So, he reminds us, attachment to Vairagya is as harmful as attachment to Lobha itself. And Mother says, these two extremes, the ascetic's refusal, where he would mortify himself, and the indulgent man, they are at the same level. You know, that story of the Naga Sanyasi who would keep you know, a patta leaf below his feet. There are some sadhus who are like that. He came to give a talk in Shurabindu Ashram, Delhi. I don't know who invited and why they invited that itself. I, I don't know. But after hearing him talk about detachment, 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 Surinda Jor made a very interesting remark. He said, everything is fine, but you seem to be too attached to your detachment. <laughs> so this is where we have to understand that it's not an end. Again, if you think with the Buddhists that all life is a misery and extinction of some kind, the highest good, or if you think with the Mayavin, Mayavadin that we came into this world with no other object but to get out of it again as soon as possible, like the famous general whose greatest military exploit was to march up a hill in order to march back again. You had better pass me by. I am a tantric. Then you don't talk about me if that's your approach to life. I regard the world as born of Ananda. Exactly, you know what should have been the word later on? Remind us. I am a tantric. I regard the world as born of Ananda. And living by Ananda, bliss is the secret stuff of all that lives. Shubhinda's line. Bliss is the root of creation. Bliss is the final thing of creation. So sir, what about suffering, pain? Pleasure and pain are incidents in the varied plot of the great drama of life. They will come in between and go away. They are not the beginning nor the end of creation. See, the beginning is bliss, unconscious bliss. Look at all the mountains, earth, stars. You can still connect with the joy which is concealed behind inanimate matter. The beginning is bliss. Look at the flowing rivers, especially before man has come, the wild forest, everything. There is joy. Even now, even when you watch from a distance, National Geographic and all these things, it's amazing the kind of joy people feel. That's why people need to retire into the forest. Pain comes with life as it evolves into higher animals. Suffering comes with the coming of mind. What does the mind do? It multiplies the pain ten times. You have a hurt. Now it says, why God gave me this hurt now? You know, poor God. Or why this person hurt me? What will happen to it? When it will heal? Otherwise the hurt would have just gone away. In a short period of time. But the mind by all these things, fear, it tends to magnify it ten times. But the mind can equally you know, do the opposite. That it's okay, it will be alright. So this is how it's born from Ananda. Wheeling from Ananda to Ananda. Ananda and Shakti, these are the two real terms of existence. Sorrow and weakness are vikaras born of Ajnanam. And actually, if you keep love, remove these uh, vikaras, it's bliss. Where is the problem? If you keep courage and don't have fear, death may happen, this may happen. You enjoy when the great war becomes holiday of a fight. Of the forgetfulness of the high and true self. And then he gives the example of Shri Krishna himself. In this whole thing he ends like this. But the action he holds up as an example, Shri Krishna, is the action of the great gods. Even as Gete speaks of the action of the great natural forces, disinterested, unwearing, self-poised in bliss, not inert with the tamas, not fretful with the rajas, not limited even by the satvik ahankara, action made one in difference with the purushottama. See, this is what we have lost completely. When I look at our Purvaj, in, like you know Pandavas, you can see them. They were not afraid of action. I mean, action which may sound to our modern mentality even, Are, what are they doing? 
they were not afraid of it you see that story i often caught quote when bhima is asked why did you kill 100 children of gandhari you should have left one morally socially bhim says if there were 200 i would have killed all of them now this is not ego this is the natural impulsion like mighty nature moves against injustice then it doesn't care 100 200 1000 it is kali's force which is working it doesn't care that you know okay one i will leave evil is evil it destroys that's the kind of might our purvaj had in them now we have all this you know victorian morality pseudo uh, put up a show hypocrisy behind all this is the uh, you know result of our modern age but when you go back into india's past this why it's very difficult to understand india with the lens of modern humanity so he says not limited even by the satvik ahankar my being in his being my shakti only a particular action of his infinite shakti of kali i am not ignorant i am not bound i am not sorrowful i only play at being ignorant i only pretend to be bound like an actor or like an audience i only take the rasa of sorrow i can throw it off when i please it actually happens if you experience life it actually happens you are crying like anything have you noticed and something pleasant happens or somebody says something suddenly your mood changes if the person is present you will not because you don't want to present that you know you have changed <laughs> but <laughs> there is another aspect which is going on behind like a joy and then when the person is not there that joy emerges or you know in another moment something else emerges but we call back the sorrow because we want to have the rasa of sorrow fully it gives a great joy to know you see how much i am pained how bad this world is horrible there is a great joy in believing that you are somebody so great because that way you become so important to yourself <laughs> so these are the things this is the great mystery of existence the uttamam rahasyam god's great wonderful and blissful secret a secret logic rejects but knowledge grasps at and then the two things he um, reminds us one is the prohibition of chesta because he said will will do is not that work is not to be done action but it is the sankalp it is called in the gita as sarva sankalp sanyasi you don't initiate an impulse you wait for things to happen and arise within either through inspiration or through a you know set of circum people who want to push themselves i want to go and give a talk i am coming that side will you arrange my talks there also people sometimes ask how do you expect me to do that now this chesta is sign of lack of surrender but if you allow action to develops that is how it is said in the yoga that yogin allows the action to develop this is how it develops by the impulsion of the shakti and that's a perfected action finally the aim of the particular path of yoga indicated is not the assertion of the individual will but surrender of the individual will its absolute unreserved and ungrudging surrender into the direction and control of the infinite being now there are many fascinating things as i said you know it talks about tilak he talks about you know um there is a very interesting automatic writing but before that shubindu speaks about there is a place where he speaks about the future and this is very interesting he says it's not shubindu but automatic writing the being entity which has come is writing 1956-57 is the year of fulfillment And there are many such fascinating aspects he talks about the 10 types of you know humanity then he says man is not here mother spoke of that in in the agenda that man comes from very high he has descended into the animal body that's how he carries the evolution further but he comes from that high realm near the over mind that's why man feels always as if there is a god inside but he has been made to forget so that he can recover the full godhead inside him he comes from there when he saw the different bodies ready then in the animal body and that first body of man 
Man already exists but as a god or demigod in the bhuvar lok of bhu, not as man upon earth. There he is deva, asura, rakshasa, pramath, pishach, pashu or as deva he is either gandharv, yaksh, vidyadhar or any of the karma devas. For man is a son of the manu and is assigned his place in dev and pradev, in heaven and in the swarg bhumis. When the human body is ready, then he descends upon earth and occupies it. The animal proper, his manifestation in animal form is always a partial incarnation, as will be seen hereafter. So, you see, we have these, uh, often we talk about, you know, Vanarayan, Ramayana time. Shobindu actually says that, yes, there is a type of humanity there was, which is the animal kind, close to the animal and that's, that is the Vanara. Vanara is not uh, actually the way it is described. Today we think, oh, they were monkeys. But actually we speak about the ape-like humanity and he speaks of that and what is the sign of the animal humanity. You will have a human body but animal humanity. They live in packs, tribes etc. with a communal existence. Mira jatwala hai kya? Yes, the moment you know there is a meeting of language, the moment oh... You are also eating the same thing which I like. My tribe, my clan. This is, what does Sri Krishna break in the Gita? Arjun, make your own choices. If today is modern language. Yes, these are the established customs. Make your own choices. How to make choices? Develop your discerning intelligence. Now with the discerning intelligence, you will see that even if you die, there is no problem. You will see there is no real death. So Arjuna is still confused. He doesn't uh, understand all this. So Krishna, okay, go beyond it. Don't fall below it. Surrender all to me and be guided by my will. So if you really look at it, Arjuna is worried only about clan and tribe. Clan and tribes is the way of the animal humanity. And then out of that you have the individual. That's where you one really becomes a human being worthy of being human, called human. So animals live in packs. They are they live in packs, tribes, etc., with a communal existence. The individuality is less vigorous. If they were not individual, they would not be able to incarnate in individual forms. The body is only the physical type of the soul. The soul, if it were only a communal soul, would manifest in some complex body of which the conglomeration of the different parts would be the soul humanity. Soul unity. So in animals you don't have individual souls. You have the soul of the species. That's what it means. And in early humanity which is more close to the tribe, it is like that. It's a communal soul. There is another very interesting uh, automatic writing in 1920. Again, Shobindo did not encourage and he discouraged it. And he said mixed elements can come from the subliminal, from the subconscious, from all around. But there is some very interesting piece of writing. One of them is 1920, one of the guests of the future. Somebody has come from the future. At one place he says, Mars, which was the previous stage of evolution, theater of evolution, now it is Earth. But a cycle of evolution took place on Mars. Probably that's why we are so attracted. And we want to know. And possibly now people know there is water. Why we are attracted? Because in some way past, who knows which Chatur Yogas, the whole theatre was on Mars. Then God said, let's shift the scene. Let's come to earth. And if he wants, he can shift it further. So, But for the moment, it is earth. So we don't know, you know, the divine ways and means, like whole cities when after 300 years, they become uninhabitable, as Shurabindra has said, and they need to be rebuilt. So, one of the guests of the future, millions of men are waiting for the day that comes, but it comes not till the light has descended. And who shall make the light descend? Half lights will not do. They prepare and pass and fade. So there are millions of people. Mother says there are souls which are waiting to be born. They have already gone into the future and they are waiting. Some of them are hanging around in the service tree. For young couples to come and say, we want a baby. Ah, even without their saying, 
They come. This is not an advice. <laughs> but just statement of fact. Mother has confirmed this. So just a statement of But be careful. These are going to be massive barrier breakers. They are not going to listen to you. You want a goody-goody child who will listen to Mata Pita Ke Charan Shuo Vandana Karo. Obey them. Then don't try this. They will come and change you. Dad, don't tell lies. Mama, this is not the way to live. Don't scold me. If you deal with me like this, I will go back to my home. Be careful. Huh? So, cautionary note. So, there are millions of men waiting to enter into the present when the time is right. There is a note on Tilak. He is, I believe, in the intermediate plane. He had a strong will to live because he felt that his work was not finished. And when a man passes from the body with that feeling strong upon him, his personality is for a time turned toward the field of his human actions. Only a time is needed to bridge over the transition from one consciousness to another. When that is done, he will act for a time on the intermediate plane, probably until he is satisfied that the idea governing him is in good train towards success or until he has worked out the force of the attacking idea in his own consciousness. Just imagine that, you know, he continues to work. We don't uh, understand these things, that they don't vanish. If the work is unfinished, they continue to work upon the earth plane. Sri Ramakrishna said, for the next 300 years, I am going to be there for all my you know disciples. So these are some of the secrets and we will close with this. Again continuing with Tilak. His psychic personality is composed of two parts. A higher soul which is the real man. A strong and brilliant soul of a great flight. And another which is the personality he works out in a certain round of lives and which gives the outward type of his human character and action. All of us have these two. I mean, all developed humanity. There is a deeper inner person which the world does not see and the other which is put forward for the sake of necessities of the kind of work or the kind of truth you are born to manifest in a particular lifetime and then in another life. But the inner person is the real person. And if you know it, then one has realized the psychic being. Otherwise, one doesn't know it. He is one of these those who helping to the higher race but has chosen to take on himself the burden of the lower for the help of the world action. So he is one of those who belong to the higher race. So this is one of the greatest tribute that you know one can have for a great personality like Bal Gangadharti. Like even without the automatic writing, Shubhinda was very appreciative of him, both for each other. And we see that there are some a nice picture in 1907 Surat Congress. You see Shurbindo and you see Tilak side by side to each other. Unfortunately, this is a very forgotten side of Indian history. People talk about only Gandhi onwards. And Tilak has gone into the background of the revolutionary movement. But we should not forget that just as Shurbindo was the Mahakun, the Yagyavedi of the whole thing, they were like fires which are offering themselves into the Yajnagni. It is a result of their offering of sacrifice, prasad, that India got freedom. Gandhiji just came in between for a passing show. <laughs>